Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Antakale Chamam Eva Smaran Mukva Kalevaram Yaprayati Samad Bhavam Yati Nastyatra Sangshaya And whoever at the time of death quits his body remembering me alone at once attains my nature of this there is no doubt purport by his divine grace Srila Abhay Charanaravinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada in this verse the importance of Krishna consciousness is stressed anyone who quits his body in Krishna consciousness is at once transferred to the transcendental abode of the Supreme Lord the word smaran remembering is important Remembrance of Krishna is not possible for the impure soul who has not practiced Krishna consciousness in devotional service. To remember Krishna, one should chant the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, incessantly. Following in the footsteps of Lord Chaitanya, being more tolerant than the tree, humbler than the grass, and offering all respect to others without requiring respect in return. In such a way, one will be able to depart from the body successfully, remembering Krishna, and so attain the supreme goal. And whoever at the time of death quits his body remembering me alone, at once attains my nature. Of this there is no doubt. It is said that there are two types of Bhagavats. There is the book Bhagavat and the person Bhagavat. The book Bhagavat is the holy scripture which is spoken by the Lord. Within the scriptures of the world, especially Bhagavad Gita, which is the most important basic scripture of all the Vedic literatures. The guide of how to live in this world is perfectly being enunciated by the creator of the world, Sri Krishna. If we want to learn how to utilize a machine properly, we must learn from the manufacturer, especially if the machine is quite complex. If you buy a highly sophisticated computer system, the manufacturer does not give it to you in a box and say, now you figure out how to use it. Will anyone buy such a computer? There was a very, very sophisticated, detailed owner's manual that is included and what and it and any expensive piece of machinery you buy on the front page of the owner's manual it will say do not use this do not even attempt to use it without thoroughly reading this manual isn't that correct So the book Bhagavat is the word of God. Dharmam tu sakshat Bhagavat swanitam. That this, the Lord himself is the only one qualified to in, install religion within this world. And the person Bhagavat is that person 
that great saint whose every word and whose every act is an illustration of the conclusion of the scripture. The qualification of a sadhu has nothing to do with performing magical tricks or juggling words. The real sadhu, according to the Gita, is one who simply humbly repeats the word of God without change, and he is a living example of how to live. It is said, Mahajano yena katasapanta, that if one truly wants to understand how to live for the perfection of life, one must follow in the footsteps of the Mahajans, the great souls. Because the Mahajans, through their every word and act, they are teaching us how to live. But they are also teaching us something else. They are teaching us how to die. Because in this world, you must live and you must die. Is anyone in this room excluded from either of the two? Krishna says in Gita, for one who has been born, death is certain, and for one who has died, birth is certain. So people are very anxious, especially in today's society, to learn how to live very nicely. People are very much anxious to accumulate as much as much wealth, prestige, power and luxuries so they could live nicely. But they do not understand that more important in this world than learning how to live nicely is learning how to die nicely. Because death is the final exam. We have many people here who have gone through college. There are many intelligent people. What is the use if you go through all the forms of college, you go to all the classes, and you go to all of the seminars, and you read all the books, but you fail your final exam? What happens? You have to start all over again. You do not graduate to the next level, but you have to start from the beginning of that class again. Correct? Everything we do culminates in how we perform in the final exam. And how we perform in the final exam is dependent on how we prepare ourselves during the course. Huh? This human life is a course. You are all in school, however old you are. This is a course. And the purpose of this course of human form of life is to graduate. And graduation means you no longer have to go to school. Correct? You graduate out from this material conception of life and you return to the spiritual world. And the graduation ceremony is the time of death. Of course, people are not very learned in this regard. Generally, at a college graduation, everyone is very happy. No one is crying. But at the time of death, everyone is crying. But factually, if you graduate college, what have you attained? You've gotten out of school so that you can enter into the mad rat race of human society. But at the time of death, if you graduate with honors, you never have to see the rat race of human society again, but you return to the spiritual world. And graduation means to remember Krishna. 
So the great souls, the Mahajans, they teach us how to live and how to die. And those who are sincere about utilizing this human existence for its proper virtuous purpose must learn from the great souls how to live and how to die. There are 12 Mahajans. One of the great Mahajans is that great son of Maharaj Santanu in Ganga Devi. His name was Bhishma. Bhishma, in the service of the Lord, was always honorable, loyal, and true. Although, as an instrument in the Lord's hands, he had to play a thankless role and be misunderstood and accused. Bhishma was the embodiment of Dharma. He was a man who was so true to his vow before God that there was no power and no temptation on earth that could even waver his determination slightly. So why Bhishma, this great devotee of Sri Hari, did he take the side of Adharma on the great battle of Kurukshetra? why he chose to fight against Krishna. Bhishma has been, for the past 5,000 years, highly misunderstood and criticized for doing this. Generally, people think that Bhishma was being paid by Duryodhana, and because he was obliged, because he was receiving his food, and his um, living conditions, he had to take sides with him. He could not betray him. As they say in the West, you should not bite the hand that feeds you. Huh? But this really is not the reason why Bhishma took the side of the Kurus. It is because he was the most powerful, the most glorious of all warriors on earth. He was undefeatable. He received a vow from his father, a benediction, that nothing and no power could kill him unless he decided by his own free will that he wanted to die. So how in the world do you feat, defeat a soldier who has that benediction? In fact, Duryodhana, in the first chapter of the Gita, we find that his whole confidence for fighting this war was that Bhishma was the commander-in-chief of his army. He knew that as long as Bhishma is, is commander-in-chief, no one can defeat us. It is not possible. In fact, he knew that Bhishma alone could single-handedly destroy the entire Pandava army if he wanted to. And Krishna knew that too. And the Pandavas knew that too. Now Bhishma was sitting, looking at the two armies. On one side, which was his own side, he saw Duryodhana, Sakuni, Dushasana. He knew what criminal, envious minds they had. He knew they were simply fighting out of greed and lust and envy. And on the other side, he saw Maharaj Yudhisthira, who was the embodiment of truth and honor. He saw Arjuna, 
who was pure-hearted servant of Lord Hari. And sitting as the charioteer of Arjuna was Parathasarathy Sri Krishna, the supreme lord of his life, his worshipable um, deity, who his every act, his every word, and his every thought was in loving service toward. Can you imagine what Bhishma felt like? And he was the most learned scholar. It is not that he was in any way bewildered. He was trained by Brihaspati to understand what is religion and what is truth. He was in a thoroughly miserable condition. And he understood that the whole world will misunderstand him, think that he is simply selling out all truth and virtue because Duryodhana is feeding him. But the real reason that Bhishma accepted the side of the Kurus was that it was the will of Krishna. And there is no reason other than that. Because when Krishna wants to make an example known to the world, he uses his devotee. Just like when Krishna wanted to ex ex exhibit his munificent strength of how he could kill the most powerful, incredibly unconquerable demons in the whole creation. He chose his own devotees to become those demons. Jai and Vijay. They became Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyaksha, Ravana Kumbhakarana, Shishupal and Dantavakra. When Krishna wants to show the world an example, uh, a fantastic example. He uses his devotee. Even if his devotee has to temporarily become his enemy, the devotee accepts that position out of love. So Bhishma understood Krishna's plan. He wanted to show the whole world for all time to come the most important principle in life. That whoever you are, however wealthy you are, however powerful you are, however famous you are, however beautiful you are, however learned you are, however renounced you are, if you are not on the side of Krishna, you will be defeated. You will lose everything in due course of time. And whoever you are, if you are on the side of Krishna, you will be victorious. Because Krishna is Ajita. Ajita means he is unconquerable. But the unconquerable agrees to be conquered by the love of his devotee. Krishna says in the Gita, Kontiya Pratijanihiname Bhakta Pranashyati. You should know, Arjuna, that my devotee will never perish. I will always protect my devotee. But how I protect you? That is not according to your choice. That is according to my choice. I may protect you by kicking you and punching you and taking everything away from you, or I may protect you by giving you the whole world. He did that to the Pandavas. First, he protected the Pandavas by banishing them to the forest for 14 years where they had to eat nothing but the roots in the ground and sleep on the hard ground. And then later on, he protected them by destroying all 11 Akshahini divisions of the uh, Kuru army and establishing them as the kings of Bharatvarsha, the entire world. Krishna wants everyone to know that the only criterion of success in our life is how we are obedient to the will of God. Now, of course, in this world, everyone is looking at life according to their material calculations. I do not have time for Krishna consciousness because 
I have to make lot of money. I have to develop my business. I have to develop my practice. I have to get good reputation. And therefore, to the degree I spend time in my sadhana, in my devotional practice, to that time I do not have time for my material life. And after all, I'm a practical man. I have to get things done in this world. And we become very proud when we are successful. Isn't this the natural condition of human society? Practically every religion in the world People are not surrendering to God. They simply accept religion as a hobby or a part-time occupation. When I have time, then I will go to the temple. When I have time, then I will chant the holy names. When I have time, then I will uh, associate with sadhus. But when it comes to eating and sleeping, when it comes to doing our work, when it comes to maintaining our family, we never say, when I have time. Do we? We say, it is my duty, I must do it. No one says, when I have time, I'll go to work. Do they? When I have time, I will eat and sleep. When I have time, I will take care of my family. No. But when it comes to the most important occupation, religion, when I have time, then I'll do it. Because we are making so many material calculations of what success is in life. This is the condemned condition of the human mind in Kali Yuga. But Krishna wanted to show all the world the most illustrious example. The greatest of all personalities, the most undefeatable, unconquerable, and learned of all men in the world. If he is not obedient to the will of God, if he is on the wrong side, he will be destroyed. Before the battle of Kurukshetra, Krishna gave Duryodhana and Arjuna choice. He said, Duryodhana, you choose. Either take my armies or take me, but I will not fight. I promise. Duryodhana said, what is the use of you without fighting? I will take your armies. By material calculations, who wants Krishna if he's not fighting? Why not have his armies and his weapons? But Arjuna was very happy because Arjuna had faith. Bhishma knew that he was going to be killed. He knew he was on the wrong side. He knew he was be going to be defamed. But because he wanted to surrender to the will of God, he accepted such a thankless task, such a painful condition of fighting for Duryodhana. When, Dur when Bhishma was fighting for the first several days, he was commanding the armies, but he was not really trying because his heart was not into it. He basically was hoping that Krishna would win. He was hoping that Yudhisthira's side would win. He was praying. How do you command an army, millions of soldiers under your direction, and you're hoping that the other side wins? Huh? But at the same time, he had to make a show of being a good kshatriya. But Duryodhana was very clever. Duryodhana had better material intelligence than anyone. He was very sharp and very shrewd and very clever, and he knew exactly how to get things done. Huh? And he could see through people, and he saw that Bhishma was not trying. So one day he insulted him. What kind of kshatriya are you? You are, def you are defaming the whole Kuru dynasty. On the battlefield you must give your life. 
for for the uh, for the virtue of victory. He he made Bhishma so uh, angry that Bhishma said, "All right, I will destroy the entire army of the Pandavas. I will even kill the Pandavas." And he said, these five arrows of mine will be used to kill the Pandavas. Ah. And Duryodhana said, well, let me keep these five arrows till tomorrow morning when the fight begins. So, of course, Krishna knows everything. Vedaham samatitani varatamanani chaujana bhavashani chabutani mamtu vedanakashana. Krishna says, I know everything past, present, and future. I also know all living beings, but me, no one could know in full. So Krishna told Yudhisthira, Arjuna, Bhima, Nakula, Sahadev, that you know Duryodhana has five arrows that will kill you tomorrow. Bhishma will use those weapons. The only hope you have is you must get those weapons, those arrows from Duryodhana. So that night, in the middle of the night, Krishna along with the Pandavas went to the tent of Duryodhana. And the custom in the Vedic society is anybody who comes to your house as a guest, you must take very good care of them. Otherwise, you spoil all your religious principles. And there is a curse upon your head. It is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the fifth canto, that there is a hell that awaits one who has a guest, even an unexpected guest, if you mistreat him. When a guest comes to your home, it is your duty as a grihasta that you must satisfy him in every way. And if you don't, there's a hell that awaits you. Huh? So Duryodhana was very much careful to follow this etiquette. So of course, a tent and a battlefield, what do you have to offer your guests? He offered Yudhisthira and Krishna and the brothers some water. He said, oh, he said, how can I serve you? You are guests in my house. They said, give us these five arrows. He said, these five arrows, ask for anything, but not these five arrows. They said, no, no, we want these five arrows. So he had to give those five arrows. Even as crooked-minded as he was, he still had a sense of honor. The next day, Bhishma came and said, okay, Duryodhana, give me these five arrows. In Bhishma's heart, he knew that he could not kill the Pandavas. This was all his Leela. He knew Krishna would get those five arrows. But he was just playing the role that Krishna wanted him to play. So Duryodhana said, Krishna took the five arrows yesterday. He said, this is all, I know it's Krishna. It is all Krishna's plan. He said, Krishna has forced me to break my promise. I promised you I would kill the Pandavas with these five arrows. Therefore, tomorrow I vow that I will make Krishna break his promise. He has promised that he would not fight. But tomorrow, but he is also told Arjuna to promise that his devotee will never perish. So I will put Krishna in a position where either he has to break his promise or Arjuna has to break his promise. And of the two, Krishna will break his. You wait and see. So the next day, Bhishma began to fight with Arjuna. And of course, nobody could defeat Bhishma. Arjuna was down on the ground and he was helpless. He was totally defeated. And Bhishma was about to end his life. 
and he was just waiting for Krishna to break his promise. And at that time, Bhishma looked at Krishna, said, Krishna, either you break your promise and defeat me, or your devotee will be killed. And Krishna became very angry. He didn't have any weapons. So he just found a chariot wheel laying on the battlefield and he picked it up and he charged at Bhishma. His eyes were red like fire. And when Bhishma saw Krishna coming to destroy him, he became very happy. And he bowed down and offered his obeisances and said, Jai Shri Krishna. And then Krishna, because he surrendered, Krishna did not destroy him. And Arjuna was saved. But Duryodhana was still not satisfied. Bhishma, you're not trying hard enough. And Duryodhana was very, very expert at manipulating sharp, harsh words to just completely uh, uh, catalyze whatever emotions he wanted to catalyze within your heart. So he made Bhishma so angry, he said, tomorrow I will destroy half the Pandava army and the next day I will destroy the other half, but Duryodhana, I will not be able to kill the Pandavas because they are protected by Krishna. And the next day, Bhishma destroyed half the army. He was like a hurricane. Even Bhima and Arjuna, they just had to stand there looking. They could not even fight against him. He was like death personified. There were just millions, literally millions of soldiers being slaughtered by him. Helplessly. Nobody could even fight against him. He was so wrathful and so fearful and so powerful. All the soldiers could do is just be destroyed. Did you ever try to fight against the cyclone? You can fight against your neighbor. But did you ever try to fight against the cyclone? All you could do is just watch it and just be devoured by it. You don't start punching it or shooting bullets at it. You just... Nothing. That's what it was like that day fighting against Bhishma. He was all devouring. And at the end of the day, there had never been such a slaughter. Yudhisthira was crying, that we're finished. Tomorrow he'll finish the other half of our army. What to do, Krishna? Krishna said that you have to come with me tonight to Bhishma's tent and we have to ask him for permission to kill him, to defeat him. Otherwise, he cannot be defeated. Unless he gives us permission, he cannot be defeated. Not only that, we have to ask him to teach us how to defeat him. Because nobody can defeat him otherwise. So the Pandavas were thinking, he's our grandfather, we love him very much. How are we going to do this? Ask him, how, are, how can we kill you? Did you ever ask your grandfather a question like that? And they loved Bhishma. Even though Bhishma was on the other side, he was the only man, he and Vidura, in the whole Kuru dynasty that was always fair and righteous and loving toward the Pandavas. In fact, it is said that the Pandavas, besides Krishna, there was no man on earth that they loved more than their grandfather Bhishma. So they went to the tent, and Bhishma was sitting there. He had a very mountain-like body, and he was very old and very wise. And when he saw them, he began to cry. He patted them on the heads, gave them his blessings. They all bowed to him. They asked each other about each other's welfare. And then he asked, what have you come for? What is your mission? And their voices were choked up. How to ask this question? But alas, finally, it was asked, my dear beloved grandfather, you've already destroyed half our army. 
We are not fighting for our own satisfaction. We are fighting for Krishna. So with your permission, teach us how we can defeat you tomorrow. And Bhishma became very happy. He began to smile. He said, thank you very much. I have been simply awaiting this day for many, many years. And then he explained a whole long, long story. It will take at least one hour, two hours to tell the story. And I know that you are all hungry for prasad, so therefore I will not tell the story. But the story is about how for so many years he wanted to die because he saw so many injustices. He was one of the, uh, he was one of the eight Vasus who appeared in this world due to a curse. And his other seven brothers, they were immediately killed by Ganga Devi. The story is that the Vasus were cursed by a great sage to leave the heavenly planets and take birth in the, in the earth planet, which is a very degrading situation for a heavenly denizen. At the same time, Ganga Devi also was cursed to take birth in this earth planet. So the Vasus made an agreement with Ganga Devi. They said, all right, we have to take birth, but the curse doesn't say how long we have to stay. So please do us this favor. We want to take birth in your womb, Ganga Devi. But as soon as we're born, we want you to kill us by throwing us in the river Ganges, and then immediately we can return to the heavenly planets and not have to suffer the earthly existence. She said, all right, I will do like this. So we know the story. She married Maharaj Santanu. And every time a child was born, she threw it in the Ganges. And Maharaj Santanu promised her he would never ask her why she did anything. He would never question any of her activities. But after seven of the children were killed, his own sons, in their infancy, by their own mother, it was just such a heavy uh, burden on his heart that he could not tolerate it. So when the eighth son, she was about to throw him in the Ganges, and Maharaj Santanu said, No, no, why are you doing like this? How can you be so cruel? I've tolerated for so many times. How can a mother kill her own children? Of course, today, we have our family planning where a mother is paid to kill her children. Family planning. What is this family? It is planning, planning your future destiny in a hellish condition of life. Huh? This is the type of planning. It is said in the Manu Samhita that if a mother kills her child, that, that mother in the womb, that mother has to take birth 100 times in a womb of a mother and be killed in the womb for each time and never see the light of day. This is family planning. Planning a miserable hellish condition So Bhishma was wondering, why is Ganga Devi doing this family planning? This is not proper. <laughs> so he stopped her. I cannot tolerate it anymore. He said, all right, you have vowed that you would not question whatever I do, so now I must leave you, but I will take your son with you, and I will send him back. He will be the greatest Chachri on earth. So she took him, and 12 years later she returned him, and during those 12 years, he was trained by Parasaram how to fight, by Brihaspati, how to uh, learn the scriptures. He was the greatest man on earth. But he wasn't meant to be on earth. He had to live such a suffering existence. He had to see so many injustices. He was not able to take the throne of the king, but he had to act as the king. Vichu Treviria. He trained him as king. He got wives for him. One of the wives 
had already given her heart to another man. And this was a very, very bad thing. She spent her whole life doing tapasya just so she would kill him. Huh? She wanted to kill Bhishma. At the same time, he saw Yudhisthira and Duryodhana and Arjuna and Bhima. How as children they had such envy toward, Duryodhana had such envy toward them. How he tried to kill them in a house of lack. How he fed Bhima poison. How Sakuni and him, ah, they cheated in the gambling match and exiled the Pandavas to the forest for 14 years. Do you know what pain all this inflicted on the heart of Bhishma? There were only three people on, four people on earth that knew the real identity of Karna, Radheya. Krishna knows everything. Krishna knew that Radheya was the son of Kunti. During the tournament, when Radheya came into the assembly and he was wearing his kundala and kavach, when Kunti saw him, she fainted. She realized that here is my eldest son who has become the worst enemy of Arjuna, my dear most son. And when she fainted, Nobody understood why she fainted. But at that time, immediately, Vidura and Bhishma were so clever, they understood this is her first child. And that's why she fainted out of anxiety. So Bhishma knew he was seeing his own grandson fighting against his brothers with hate, and he couldn't even tell him. Do you know what a miserable condition that was? And then he had to take the side by Krishna's arrangement to fight with Duryodhana. Vishma told him, I'm tired of this world. I want to die, but I cannot die until someone defeats me. So I will teach you how to defeat me. He said, bring Shikandi first. She took the form of a man just to kill me. Put him, befo put him, be put him before me to shoot the first arrow. And then he said, everyone else shoot. He said, but Arjuna is the only one that could pierce my body. Arjuna, you must shoot and you must not leave even enough room to put a finger through between arrows in my body. So the next day on the battlefield, Bhishma was just effulgent like the sun. And Duryodhana was thinking, ah, he's so fired up that today he's going to destroy the whole army. But in the heart, Bhishma knew that today Arjuna will defeat me. This is my great pleasure. And on the battlefield, he was pierced with arrows from his neck to his feet. And after being conquered, the whole, the whole battle stopped and everyone on both sides came before Bhishma to offer him prayers and flowers. And he laid on that battlefield for six months. Huh? The whole battle continued on. The Pandavas were victorious. Then Yudhisthira was brought back to Hastinapur and he was coronated as the king. And meanwhile, Bhishma was sitting, laying on that bed of arrows, day after day, week after week, month after month. He would not give up his body. He was waiting for Krishna because he knew that Krishna would come. Some of us are a little impatient, huh? We, we're expecting, why is not Krishna fulfilling my desire now? Why is he putting in me so much anxiety? But Bhishma is teaching us real patience. Sometimes we're walking with bare feet and we step on a thorn. 
And what happens? We can't tolerate it. We just, ah, ah. We have to sit down and spend so much time taking the thorn out. Right? One little thorn in our foot, and it causes such a miserable condition of life. Or sometimes we get stung by a bee, and we think, oh my God, how can I go on? Bhishma had the sharpened iron-like arrows of Arjuna piercing through from one side of his body through the other and into the ground from his head to his chin and you could not even put your little finger between any two arrows there were thousands and thousands of arrows through his body and he was laying there patiently waiting for Krishna. Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, and months went by and he was simply chanting Hare Krishna. Huh? He taught us real patience. We are all performing our sadhana. We are performing a little tapasya and we're waiting for Krishna to reveal himself to us. We're waiting for Krishna to save us from the miseries of material existence. Bhishma taught us how to be patient. Srila Rupa Goswami has instructed that there are two essential principles that compose the quality of a surrendered soul. That is enthusiasm and patience. If you are simply enthusiastic without patience, then you'll work very hard and then you'll give up. Right? Because you're not getting results. Krishna, I'm chanting 16 rounds every day as hard as I can and I'm following the principles and I've given up so many things of this world and I'm working so hard and still people are misusing me and still I'm not getting what I want and still I have material desires and what is all this for? I'm so enthusiastic, I've done so much for you, what are you giving me in return? I resign. I will enjoy. What kind of God are you? You're not a good gentleman, you're not a good businessman. I'll go somewhere else. That's what happens if you're enthusiastic but you do not have patience. But what happens if you have patience without enthusiasm? Then you just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. It's just like a man who says, well, I'm very patient to get my PhD, but I'm not going to go to college and I'm not going to going to study. I will just wait. You can wait. But it will never come unless you work with great enthusiasm. So one must have enthusiasm and patience. Bhishma, he illustrated to the highest degree enthusiasm and patience. He was not complaining. Can you imagine how torturous his condition was physically and mentally? He was not complaining. He was not saying, why is God doing this to me? He was simply thinking, Krishna, you are very kind. If this is the way you want me to be, this is the way I will be. Simply awaiting for your arrival. So, of course, by Krishna's divine arrangement, Yudhisthira was so humble that even though the whole battle of Kurukshetra was fought due to the injustices against him, he took all the blame. He began to lament. He was thinking that all these people were killed and all the widowed women, they are all crying and all the children, they are fatherless. It is all my fault. They, everyone was killed only because of my greed for the throne. And Krishna could see how humble Yudhisthira was. You see, the great souls teach us by their example how we should live. Everyone is very anxious to put all blame on another, but nobody wants to accept blame upon oneself. Even if one is wrong, 
And in one's heart, one knows one's wrong. One doesn't want to admit it to his own mind. What to speak of admit it to another person. To admit your own guilt is very, very painful to the false ego. And the false ego is very much dear to us. It is said, any fool can praise himself. But it takes a great man to admit his own mistakes and his own faults. Now, Yudhisthira, he was completely 100% correct. He was flawless. He was pure and unmotivated and honorable in any But from the core of it, who happened to be laying on the battlefield waiting for six months. So Krishna and the Pandavas, they all went to the battlefield of Kurukshetra from Hastinapur on their chariots. And they approached Bhishma. And he was just laying there. And when he saw the Pandavas and Krishna, he began to smile. Bhishma looked at Krishna. He said, My body is ridden with arrows. I'm in torturous pain. And you're asking me to give a dissertation about how to rule the world? This is very difficult, Krishna. So then Krishna blessed him by sprinkling upon him some water. And at that time, Bhishma was relieved of all pain, withdrew his mind and his senses and all his physical energies from everything of this world. Choked with love, he began to glorify 